0: Welcome to One Winning Pod, and we're lucky enough to do a show with Jason from Huddle It Up Films this week. You can actually find a video version of this show with overlays of the players we're talking about and some cut-up clips. So feel free to go check out Jason's channel. I'll leave a link, and you can watch it there, or you can continue to listen in the audio form. Enjoy, guys.
1: Hello, football family. Welcome into Huddle It Up Films Camp Chatter, here with the guys from One Winning Pod, Peter... Unfortunately, Chris is not with us tonight, and of course, Alec Pollyannis, uh, one winning pod here to talk about some defense defense heavy episode and Alec, I'm just going to turn it over to you buddy, and let you get this party started. let you MC it, do your
0: thing, man. Sure, well, the big thing we wanted to talk to you about was the defensive scheme this year, second year under McDonald, another opportunity, another year to change personnel to kind of focus on what they want this defense to look like long term and i think we're starting to see with some of their personnel decisions that they've made during the off season that there might be some changing of traditional scheme that we've come so used to here in baltimore but i think to lead off the episode we got some news worth discussing of Broderick washington getting a extension three years 17.5 million dollars ten of a guaranteed which feels like um a team friendly deal, you know, a player on the ascendancy. He could outperform that contract and, uh, gives him obviously the financial security to going into the season.
1: Great move. Great move. I I love it. I like Broderick as a player. You have seen him progress every year. Uh, he was able to defend the run almost from the start. He's worked really hard on pushing the pocket, just easily controls offensive linemen. And you can see the, the straight arm that he's able to look past, uh, the offensive lineman who's blocking them into the backfield, track the running back very well. And with a player like this, uh, you know, Peter, the, the main thing I point to is it's great to have him locked up, not only because it's a good player and a fair deal, but also next year, Travis Jones is the only player who's firmly under contractual control. The rest of that room could turn over. So you don't want to go into next year with just Travis Jones on your roster and D line and have to pay and have to draft all these new guys. So to get Broderick Washington done this early, I think is a, is a huge W big win for the Ravens.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you know, for all the reasons you've stated, uh, it's, it's just incredible to see how he's really entrenched himself to being a consistent starter at this level. Um, fun fact, I had forgotten this. I'm not sure if I ever knew, uh, he is the result of the Kari Vedvik trade back uh, when we uh, dealt Vedvik to the Vikings. or kind of you know uh, nice. pulled one over on them for that. Um, and really, it's crazy. You know, I remember going back to this time, 2021, and we were talking about potential cuts for the Ravens. And I remember we were talking about Broderick Washington, like you know, as a guy who who needed to step up and to show that he could make the roster. And now we're looking at him as like you're saying he might be the vet guy on the line next year. It's incredible that the Ravens continue to find these guys, and we'll see what this means for Matabike. I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well, but we do know that this is not something that the Ravens shy away from. you know they have several times given the contract to the guy who was who was drafted uh later. He saw Dennis Pitta over Dixon, Marshall Yonda over Osemeli, uh Kelly Gregg stuck around over some guys who had higher draft capital than himself. So, yeah, this this is a very team-friendly deal, and it's in the vein of what the Ravens like to do, how they develop these players. Uh, it's it's a great move, uh, great for getting some stability going into next year. You love to see it.
0: I'm definitely glad to see that we got another defensive lineman. Like you said, Jason, only one under contract with Travis Jones going into next year. Now it's two. And I thought this was an interesting quote tweet out by Ryan Mink. Apparently, Clayus Campbell said, Uh, after he signed in Atlanta, that Broderick Washington was going to – he was playing so well that they were going to cut him. Uh, And, he, you know, he said he's a great young player. Love to get that seal of approval from Calais. I wish we had both. I'm going to miss that guy so much um, and all his contributions. But I guess in a way that kind of leads us into our discussion. So, you know, Calais is gone. I think any defense would love to have a guy like Calais. Gives you a lot of versatility. But with that, we are now going to see these defensive linemen fill in snaps. And I think they're going to fill in the snaps a little bit differently than the way the line was set up before.
1: Sure, I think Matabique is gonna benefit from Calais not being here in a strange way. I think Matabique is uh gonna be in a different tax bracket than Broderick Washington. So uh as far as like how Broderick's contract affects uh Matt I don't think that they're the same. I you know, Broderick Washington signed for about six million a year. Matabique had five and a half sacks last year as a defensive lineman you look at the top defensive linemen, they're making between 20 and what, 28, 29, almost 30 million for a defensive tackle. So to get Broderick at six, I mean, that's, that's a deal. It's uh, you know, it's, it's not a devalued position. As far as the NFL is concerned, these defensive tackles get paid. If Matabike pushes himself up into the the seven eight sack range uh, for a defensive tackle, you guys know that's like getting, well well into the double digits, like 15 as an edge rusher. Yeah, 15 a year. It's it's, it's hard to get sacks as as a defensive tackle. So if he pushes himself up into the you know, even an extra couple of sacks, he is going to get paid massively next year. Uh, Matabike is a much more explosive player than we have anywhere else on the line, more explosive than Calais Campbell. So we could see Matabike, you know, used more in these, pure passing downs. We can move him around. Maybe there's a, we like we saw with Calais, there's a mismatch at left guard. Uh, we can put Matabique over there and let Broderick play three tech over the right guard. And that, in other words, just let Matabique be the focal point of the inside rush while you have run stuffers like Travis Jones, Michael Pierce and Broderick Washington to accompany him. So Matt Abike is going to be kind of like the, the lead singer of this group, Peter.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think he'll be able to do it. I th- the one thing that I think sometimes is talked about with Matt is just with his first two seasons, we've seen a ton of splash plays. We've seen him have big games. Maybe just a little more consistency would be nice from him. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like what you're saying about how this is going to free him up. And if he's able to get a season with over five and a half sacks, um, that would be huge. And you even look at, at some of the guys we've had, and we've got great guys here on this defensive line, um, five and a half sacks that he had, that's tied with both uh, Haloti Nada and Calais Campbell for um, most sacks they ever had in a single season for the Ravens. Um, there might have been an interior lineman who had more than that, um, if there was. Their name's not clicking in my head at the moment. but
1: Maybe Trevor Price. I think if you could count him as a D-end,
2: yeah. D-tackle, but, but yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I guess that would depend on where you wanted to actually categorize him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we've we seen some great stuff from Matabike early in his career, and he certainly has room to grow. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see him with a bigger role and ha- having to step up with Campbell out of here for this year.
0: We saw the Ravens defense historically have uh, two defensive linemen on the field at a given time and also do uh, about a four-man pass rush. Uh, so given that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the outside linebackers that uh, contribute to the pass rush. And there's been a lot of talk in the town about bringing in another piece, be it another Sam-like linebacker with Van Noy. And now there's uh, talks of... Um, what's his name now? I'm, now I'm on, Clowney. Clowney. The Clown Clowney. He's uh, coming over from the Browns, um, potentially. And... Kind of discuss how those guys could fit and then obviously, uh, fit in with the, the people we already have. Yeah, Van Noy,
1: I think, would be a good fit because we don't know what's going on with Tyus Bowser, at least we don't. The Ravens m- might, but uh, you know, my fear is that the Ravens don't really know what's going on with Tyus either. In other words, they know what the injury is, of course, but as far as like, hey, when's he coming back? When's he going to be 100 percent? Maybe those answers aren't as concrete as the Ravens would like. And if they don't have a a linebacker, a traditional Sam, somebody who can drop in the coverage uh, in certain situations versus certain teams, then to me, Van Noy makes a a ton of sense as a sign. I think Clowney, on the other hand, fits right away. So I I have more to say on that. but, um, But yeah, I think Van Noy's, the need for Van Noy is more dependent on what is Bowser's status, which of course we don't know.
2: Yeah, and I mean, this is exactly the type of homework the Ravens need to be doing right now because, like you're saying, uh, Bowser is critical to this defense right now. There is no one else on the roster currently who can do all the things that he can. He's incredibly versatile. Um, you look at the player he's developed into, it rem- reminds me a lot of Adelius Thomas, that it's not a perfect comparison, but I think you know the um, all the different things that both of those guys could do, all the different places you could line them up, um, certainly critical. I mean, we, we've we got Roquan Smith here. He's done a lot of things, but, you know, you really need a guy like that. He can play the Sam Bowser there. That's what's going to make our defense uh, Stevens-Click, really. He's one of the critical pieces. So, yeah, I mean, we really need him. <laughs> uh, as, as good as Vinoy has been in his career, he is older, so he wouldn't be – you know, be able to give us everything that Bowser can. But if if we need to go there, that's, you know, they're doing their homework, and hopefully they can bring one of these guys in. But obviously, Bowser being healthy is going to be the best-case scenario for this defense.
0: I do think... I he's basically saying there's one slot left. I mean, I'm trying to think just from a pure numbers perspective. They couldn't bring in both of these guys.
1: Well, I think if... Bowser's going to miss a chunk of the season, and his status is what questionable whether he's going to be 100% for the entire season. Maybe they can. Maybe they can either go the route of void years again. Maybe they can restructure Marlowe or restructure Stanley or open up some room some other way. Even Lamar, they can tap into his contract already because Lord knows he's got plenty of money to move around. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, I would say Bowser's healthy relatively quickly, Alec.
0: Yeah, well, we haven't done this show. I don't know if we'll do it on our show, but maybe uh, with uh, the Ravens Way guys, um, I'm, I'm getting more and more of the opinion that cap is basically crap, and like it really just comes down to how much owners want to spend on their, on their team in a given year, right? But uh, that's, that's a topic for another time,. <laughs> like, um, so the, uh, they definitely could, from a cap perspective, bring both of them in. Obviously, you know, you're spending more money it gets interesting in the following years, uh, mattering on, on how much you want to use credit cards and, you know, keep pushing out the debt. But, um, but yeah, I think just from like a roster depth perspective. Yeah. You could see Bowser, which would be so tragic for him to start on the, uh, IR for the beginning of the year and miss six games. It's unbelievable because he came back at the end of the year and it seemed to be playing fine. Didn't like reactivate. So it's kind of interesting. Not quite sure what's going on, uh, with this injury. Um, and, you know, we have a couple guys like that where there's just, like, these, like, lingering issues with their injuries from over a year ago. It's it's wild. But, um, so, yeah. hey, go okay, ahead, Peter. Yeah, so, I mean, what I wanted to
2: say here is, let's say, I mean, we don't know the state of Bowser's injury. Let's say Bowser is absolutely, you know, fine. I don't know if we can say that or not. Do we still think that this group, even with a healthy Bowser, could benefit from a vet presence like they've had over the past seasons with Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul and those other guys, or do we think you know, healthy Bowser? This group is set. We don't. We don't need that. For me, I think that's for a tough question. Me, and it, I mean,
1: for me, it's it's clear we're going to bring in one, no matter what. That's where I think that it's it for the Ravens. It was always going to be the edge rush spot. I mean, right now we only have three on the team with counting Bowser. You have a rookie, Tavius Robinson. You have David Ajabu, who's uh, David Ajabu, who's only played one game in his NFL career, and you got Adafio away. So there's not a lot of proven things. I think you hit the nail on the head, Peter, when you're saying a veteran presence, and that's that's why I think uh, someone like Jadavian Clowney fits really well with this group because his skill set is different than the other three, the other four. Mm
0: -hmm. Is there you think there's a reason we're going with him over Pierre Paul? At least it appears that we might be going with him over Pierre Paul.
1: He's younger. He might be a better player, too. You know, yeah. I, I think that Clowney gets a bad rap because he is the former, what, number one, number two overall yeah, pick it. or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. And he's not a 15-sack guy, but what he is 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 an enforcer. And he's a straight-up, straight, straight up strict, uh, butt-kicking enforcer, which is not something we have with the rest of the guys. You know, Daphia can set the edge. Bowser can set the edge. He's done great on the strong side. Uh, which is where the term Sam comes from. That's your strong side. Will is your weak side. Your Mike plays in the middle. Uh, You know, you have your rush end on the blind side. So you're talking about a strong side player. Clowney isn't a a Sam. He's not a guy who's either going to drop into coverage, you know, drop into coverage 40% of the time like Bowser. But what he is, he's a strong side defensive end. So you're talking about the tight end over on that side with the right tackle, trying to double team Clowney, trying to push him off. Uh, the line of scrimmage to clear room for a right-handed running offense. Clowney's not playing around and you, you mess around and try to block him with a tight end. He's going to absolutely destroy that guy. I mean, we can remember Clowney versus Nick Boyle battles and they were some epic, epic battles and Boyle could handle most of these defensive ends like an offensive lineman, just a tremendous blocker. But Clowney, Clowney gave uh, Nick Boyle all he could handle and It was funny. It was because like no tight end could block Clowney, but Nick Boyle could block all defensive ends. And when they went together, it was like forces that they had never seen before in the NFL or rarely see the battle of the Titans. But yeah, Clowney can still do that. I mean, you get older. I bet a guy like Terrell Sugg shoot looking at the shape he's in could probably come out and beat people up on the, on the, on the edge. And, and, and the other thing is uh, Peter, I'll throw it to you on this, you know, with the, with the line inside linebackers that we have, Roquan and uh, and PQ, you don't really need to be dynamic on that edge as far as like setting the edge, coming off athletically, diving, making a play. As long as you just force those dudes back inside, PQ and Roquan are going to clean it up.
2: Oh, definitely, and I, I mean that is one of the big reasons that we saw the the big defensive jump that we did last year after that trade, right? You know, and it it's not just. uh making it easier on, on those edge guys. I mean, the defensive line is going to help out in there too. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a really underrated part going into this year is just seeing how a full off season of Roquan and, and Patrick Queen getting ready to to work to help this defense. Because, you know, last year and the results were as good as they were. So, I mean, just it's going to be now that they've had this training camp to – to really scheme this up and really figure out what's the best way that we can use these guys together to attack it. So yeah, the Roquan Smith addition, man, was that such a good trade and that's going to make really help this defense. As we're talking about some transition of some vet guys moving out, we talked about Campbell. um, We've hinted at Houston um, and and some injuries, all those things are going to suck, but having Smith there, uh unlocking queen as well it's going to make things a lot i, I mean it's not going to be easy but it's going to make the transition better
0: yeah they're definitely it, dynamic players and they added another guy with simpson too so i think that helps as well what are you going to say jason
1: no i i was just going to say you look at all the the moving parts we had last year it it feels like we lost a lot with with calais in houston but, I mean, earlier, early on in the year, all we had was Adafio Way and Justin Houston. Those were literally the only two outside linebackers on the rosters until we started bringing in guys like Devon Kennard and some other guys. I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, Means. He was mm-hmm. lost, I think, even before the, the season. But we were playing Brent Urban on the edge. We were playing Clay, Clayus Campbell on the edge, not a defensive tackle. So you look at Michael Pierce playing all year, David DeJabo playing all year that that right there, plus you add like a, a guy like Clowney who's still in town as of today. Uh that didn't leave, you know, was offered a deal and hasn't left yet. You go ahead and you add yourself one more player. We didn't have Bowser to start the year. We didn't have him till the mid season. Like we're we're in okay shape. We're in pretty good shape in this front seven. I'm not freaking out. I just think we could add another guy.
0: Yep. And everyone's been raving about him all during camp. David Ojabo was not a part of the uh conversation until very late into the year and in fact they eventually kind of remedied the position so much they didn't know what to do you know they didn't know how to activate him where he could get snaps and even when he did play he didn't have that many snaps all things considered but now he's the governor's off he's going to be playing tons of snaps i think as many snaps as he should be taking um i don't think anything's in the way of him getting snaps he's looked great you know with and without pads excited to see more of him in the preseason and in the regular season but I guess. What are our expectations with them? Uh, You know, is it too much to ask for this guy to really step in and become a most down contributor?
2: Nobody. I guess. (laughs) I mean, it it's tough, man. It is. It's tough because we didn't see much of him last year at all. We saw part of it, Um, and I know he made a a splash play there with this with the strip sack, but. I don't think we saw him at the full shape that he can be. I mean, coming back from that injury, I, it, it, I, I said it all year, like anything we got from him from that year was, was a plus. Um, and we really didn't get much, even though it, it was great to see that sack. But what I will say, what I liked seeing, and I, I rewatched some of the film on him, uh, today from that game. Um, he had a nice cut up there, Jason while I while was watching that. <laughs> um, And you you saw some things there that that you look back at the Michigan tape and, you know, you still saw You saw him – he has that that inside spin move that he liked to use a lot at Michigan. He was using that some – in that game to some success. Um, A lot of times in Michigan you saw he was really active with his hands when he got to the quarterback trying to to strip the fumble. Obviously, we got that against Burrow. There were some other times where he got close in that game. Maybe only one other time. But, you know – you saw flashes in it. So it's really just, it's hard to say from what we've seen right now, of course, but I I saw enough to get excited. I saw enough to see like, this guy's going to contribute in some way. How much is he going to contribute? Are we talking about, you know, him getting close to a pro bowl status? That might be a little much to ask for a guy who hasn't, who missed virtually all of his first NFL season. But I think he could be a guy, you know, who starts out a little slow, but as the season goes on, it really starts to get his footing gets comfortable in the defense and could see a surge at the end of the year. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that.
1: Well, Hey, you guys know, I'm usually pretty measured what my response is, but I think David DeJabo is going to be a monster. And I think we're going to see splashes of that this year. A lot of splashes of that this year. Um, love the point Peter made about the, how hungry he is for the football itself. I mean, you can go watch his college tape, watch David Dijabo highlights. Uh, 2021, I guess it would be, or 2022, whatever, his last year at Michigan, and count the number of times you see this man swatting at the ball, or if successfully or even when he does not and the quarterback does a great job of protecting it, Um, I think he's going to force fumbles. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks. Uh, I was really excited, Alec, at the stadium practice when they were running the ones versus the ones where they had, you know, basically, of course, it's a three-receiver set for the Ravens. And how do the Ravens counter a three receiver set and eleven personnel? They cancel. They uh, counter that with their, you know, standard nickel defense with Roquan, PQ in the middle and four rushers up front. And there's four rushers up front where Adafi Owe was on one edge over the left tackle, and they had David Ajabo over the right tackle. And I love that because. David Jabo is so nimble on his feet, not just quick, but he does that little Euro step thing where he goes side to side and gets laws, the tackle off balance, and then it'll go right through them. Um, the thought of David Jabo working against second tier tackles in this league is in, you know, during the highest leverage downs, you know, third and eight, uh, two minute drills, uh, you know, anytime the other team is expected to pass, You go ahead and don't worry about the run. You put David Ajabo over some right tackle on some team. Maybe it's their second string guy later in the year. Like, I, you know, Pro Bowl, no, I'm not going to go that far, but I I think Ajabo is going to lead this team in sacks and force fumbles. I think he's going to play right away and play very well.
0: I'm leaning more on the side of Jason. I mean, obviously the forever optimist I am on this show, but uh, at the same time, I, I think that we're underrating the rep that was last year for him granted he didn't get many game reps but he got all the classroom time he got the opportunity to be in the same off or same defense that he was in in college in many ways so i think he had a lot of comfort in that and he just is a different level man you go and see him at practice you know jason said it. he's on the right side always against or i guess the right tackle and he just like i mean he looks good, man. He looks real good. And it makes me excited to see him play. You know, we were begging for him to get utilized last year. And now, I mean, like I said, I think he's going to get unleashed. I don't think anything they do with signings here is going to eat into his snap share. These guys don't play 100% of snaps anyways. And like you said, man, talking about Oway on the other side, Dr. Rush is there now. They're working on his signature pass rush move. Still a freak athlete. Still, you know, could definitely turn it on and and be what we thought he could be after those those flashes in his rookie year against the Chiefs, for instance, where he kind of won the game or sealed the game. Uh, I think we uh, I think we, were, we might be sleeping on him, like we we're getting excited about a job, but I think there's still a lot of potential with Oway. What do you think, Jason?
1: Duffy Oway, I, I want to see it. I need to see it. I, I think his uh, you know some of his issues were getting off the ball. And I love the fact. I think it was two press conferences ago from Harbaugh. It was when Adolfo A himself was at the microphone on the same day, and both of them alluded to getting off the ball quickly. I think that being a step of his game, because Alec can tell you, you know, in private conversations, that's been my main bugaboo. Like I, I thought about putting out a video of him get, being the last one off the ball consistently, but I, I like to keep my channel positive and accentuate the positives. But to me, it is a positive because it's something that it can easily be fixed and coached. Like if Adafi Addafi away's main move is speed to power, but he's late getting off the ball, it's tough to turn speed into power when the offensive tackle is sitting there waiting for you bracing bracing himself. So I think yes, and I think that the other encouraging thing for me, Peter, is they're talking about the actual like angle of approach that Adafi's coming at the tackle uh with with his long arm, with his speed to power. We've seen a little duck under, a little dip move around the edge. So, you know, if he can add a couple of moves, you know, a plan to his rush, I think that that will help him. But I'm more in wait-and-see mode with with Owe, whereas with Ajabo, I know he's got it. I've seen it. He's a natural pass rusher.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I definitely hear a lot of what you're saying. I know a, a lot of fans have a lot of mixed opinions on on Owe. You, you talk to anyone, you pull the the fan base you're going to get a wide range of opinions on him right now but you know what I what I really like to, he, to hear what you're saying is um, he's getting coached up about you know can he learn these moves we we saw a lot of that I feel like in the preseason I feel like he had a really strong preseason last year and then just didn't build on it as much as we would have hoped um, once the season came but he's a guy though that if he's able to um, improve on these things that you're talking about, these football things, getting off the line, like you're saying, getting some more variation in his pass moves, uh, he's going to be a freak because athletically he's one of the best athletes on this, on this team. Don't forget, not just the defense on this team. The guy is so athletic. He's so fast. If he, if he's gets gets coached up, he's going to be a huge force on, on this defense. So, We've seen this many, many times with guys that the Ravens have drafted as edge rushers, whether it's Darius Smith, whether it's um, Paul Kruger, whether it's, you know, um, not Judon. Judon came out pretty well, but there's other examples. Some of them are escaping my mind right now. But, you know, we've seen these guys come on in like year three or year four. Even Bowser. Bowser was a slow starter. He didn't show terribly Mm -hmm. much his first two years in the league. Um you know, so i I definitely think it's not time to give up on a job um, on OA. I do think that um, we really want to see another strong preseason from him this year and then carry more of that uh, into uh, the regular season when the games count. So a lot of potential. we'll just have to see what happens.
0: There's been some positive buzz about Tavius Robinson, the third round or fourth round pick rather of the Ravens this year i um, kind of curious what you guys think you might have expectations and maybe where we'll see him play. Do you think he'll take any of those clayus snaps?
1: I think he could. I think, uh, you know, Tavius, I think you want five outside linebackers and then on game day, you're going to activate, activate four of them. Um, if Bowser's healthy and we add Clowney or Van Noy or somebody like that, Tavius is going to be a spot starter, uh, that kind of, not spot starter, but may only be activated for eight games or so. Uh, if Bowser's hurt, we're going to rely on Tavius Moore, And his role to me, you know, he was drafted mainly as a, a an upside pick, uh, uh, somebody that can pass, uh, rush the passer, you know, only two years out of Canada, comes to the SEC, has a good season. But, you know, to me, Peter, when I look look at him, my, my opinion differs a little bit uh, from most scouts and analysts I talk to in the Ravens community. What they'll point to is, look, this guy's raw, you know, his technique's bad. You, look, he's a hustler. Basically, what, what they'll say is, they'll you'll get out of Tavius what you've gotten out of O.A. these last couple of years. Like, hustling, you know, technique, no. Um, moves, no. But a hard charger player who will, you know, hustle and has got some athletic upside. What I see is a guy I think that his run defense will come along faster than other people expect because run defense is about two things. Number one, and really actually number one and number one, a is effort. You've got to want to, you've got to want to sell out and, 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 uh, and stress your body and put, sacrifice your body. And then number two is just technique. And I think that's what, what he really lacked uh, in college at Mississippi was he's a tall guy. Tavius, I want to say six, six, uh, six, Mm -hmm. seven, something like that. So he would get tall, he would get uprooted, and easily moved in the SEC, which is the best conference in football. I think with better coaching, I mean, like I said, he was in some college. I don't even, I can't even pronounce the name or <laughs> recall the name two years ago. Now he's getting NFL coaching. I think he's got the one to, and I think he knows that if he wants to get on this field, the best way he can is to be able to defend a run because he's not hopping over Adafio Way or David Ajabo on the rush specialist uh, depth chart. At any time, you know, he's not going to be a designated rusher. Like, oh, do we want a job in there? No, we'll go take T- Davies, get in there. We'd like you better. No, like he's going to have to play the run. So uh, if there's an opportunity for, for him this year when injuries pop up or if, if Bowser's not ready, um, but he might have to bide his time too. I know that's kind of a long answer, but I uh, had a lot to say there, my, my apologies.
2: <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> no, I think, I think that was a great answer and it really delved into um just, you know, he, like you're saying, he's a guy physically large. Um, He's got tools that could translate, but like you're saying, he's a project. Um, he is actually one of the guys I'm most interested to see coming up in preseason because I just have so many questions about him and what he can do at this state. And I think you, you basically, you know, I'm not going to say that everything you said was what I was thinking going into this, but um, I, like the big words you said there that I, I know, a lot of people said when he was drafted and a lot of people have said since is, is that he's raw, like you said. But again, we've seen the Ravens transform these type of players before. Sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't, but you know, when they do hit, it's usually pretty good. So I'm really don't have too much to say on him, except that I do find him as a very intriguing prospect for us. Very interested to see what he does this preseason. Um, you know, he, he's, I agree with what you're saying. The path to him for snaps on this team is going to be run defense, getting in there for a few snaps in games. Um, And I don't expect us to see much from him. It's just the fact that he was a low round draft pick um, and has a lot of work to do. So that, that doesn't really give his odds for having a big impact this year to be that much. But, you know, if he has a good camp and, and is able to uh, continue to learn, this year really soak stuff in really honing on his technique. He's a guy we could hear more from in years two and three. Cause like we were saying back at the top with Broderick Washington, there's not many guys under contract on the defensive line. So there's if the coaches can show him, Hey, look, there's an opportunity for you to stick around here. This is what you got to do to do that. You know, maybe down the road, he is a guy who's, who's in there and, and is, you know, out there. So, yeah, definitely an interesting prospect. We'll have to see what he does this preseason.
0: Yeah, important
1: preseason, Alec.
0: Important preseason. We're recording this on a Wednesday, right before the Saturday preseason game at home against the Eagles. I can tell you guys, I'm a little disappointed that the Eagles game is the first one in on the docket. You know, I think we have a 23-game straight winning streak. I think that they're, they're you know, obviously the, the Super Bowl losers. Like, we, they're going to have a good team, uh, top to bottom, that we have to go and defeat to keep the streak alive. Uh, but I believe that we can do it, and I'm excited to see us play him and obviously see some of these young guys we've already talked about play. Another guy we haven't talked about yet, curious to hear your thoughts on how he might fit in and what you would hope to see this preseason, is Simpson. Uh, inside linebacker, ex-player, You know, super fast. Like, the thing is crazy is he basically had the same uh, 10-yard split and 40-yard speed as, Zay uh, Flowers, and he weighs 50 pounds more. It's bonkers. The guy is just like a unit and I'm just so curious to see how he gets deployed on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Well, yeah, and he said it. He was asked, and he said it, and I was so happy. It's the the only time he's spoken with the media uh, this training camp. It was before he got injured, but they had him up there and asked him that question flat out, and I'm like, well – He's not really going to answer this, but it was worth a shot. And damn if he didn't basically say, "I'm going to be out there on third down to cause havoc." That's going to be my job. So <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the man for his word. They're probably going to. I could see a couple of different roles. Like if they if they want to have a defense uh, and overload him as a, you know, play like a uh, a nickel defense with him in the slot. I could see it. To where, okay, is he going to cover, you know, Chris Godwin one-on-one or Deontay Johnson one-on-one? No, but he could drop into the short zone or he could blitz off the nickel, kind of like what you saw with Kyle Hamilton last year. Or maybe they play him in like uh, Bowser's role if Bowser was here and play a little bit of 3-4 and have him on the strong side to either drop into coverage or rush because he can do both really well. Uh, Peter, you know, I think he has a lot of developing to do as an inside linebacker, but as some, as as an absolute missile, a unit like Alec said, uh, seek and destroy, he can do that. I mean, that's why I had a second round grade on him, Peter. You just don't have athletes like that, and uh, he's just not quite there yet as far as like his field vision and the game slowing down. I think it's going to take him a full year before that happens, much like we saw with Queen. But if you just tell him, go sick the quarterback, my goodness, I think he could do it.
2: Oh, definitely. And I, I think that he definitely has tools that can be utilized this year. Now, again, is it are those tools going to be an inside linebacker, like you're saying? Maybe, maybe not. But, yeah, w- with that speed and – I, another thing, you know, just taking a step back from his skill set, like, I imagine he's a guy that during the pre-draft process, the Ravens just loved in the interview because – he just comes off just as a Raven. He, he knows the history of this organization. Seems like a very disciplined guy. Um, there's going to be uh, unlike, you know, Robinson, we talked about earlier, this guy's going to get on the field this year. The question is just where and how much there's going to be spots for him to make plays. There's going to be spots for him to be moved around in this defense, uh, try different things with him. The, the versatility here is, is something that, you know, I, I think we can think about what it, it's going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see. He's definitely a strong piece here, that that can and then add some help here, help out uh, with you know the rush, like you're saying. He can drop in the pass coverage. So yeah, I exci- another guy I'm excited to see during preseason. I think he's going to make some plays. I think he's going to have a, st- a strong preseason against these second unit uh, types. He's going to be ready to to wreak havoc there.
1: And Alec, before you go, it's a shame that he's hurt right now. Yeah. Dude, he could be playing preseason, and he could be playing a lot. Like, he could be playing, say, okay, you know, when our first team out there or our second team, we're not going to play our first team. But when the other team's best guys are out there, maybe we see him in the role that we're going to see him in this season, what Mm -hmm. we and Peter just talked about. But in those third and fourth quarters, maybe you want to play him a little bit as an inside linebacker to get him a feel for like what it would be like next year when PQ is probably going to be gone. There's so much opportunity for Trenton Simpson and he can't get on the field right now.
0: I know I was looking into it uh, and it seems like he has a soft tissue injury and he could miss some time. Uh, So it's kind of unclear what that really means. Some tweets have said it's minor. Some tweets have made it sound like, you know, more ambiguous. So I really hope to see him again. He looked good the first preseason or the first practice I was there. So I'm kind of running around, but I, I you know he wasn't there when I was there um, last week or I guess early, earlier this week. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's able to play in the next preseason game. It's a little bit farther out. It's like uh, I think it's on the Monday. So it's like nine days later. So maybe he'll be able to. Get enough reps in, feel good enough, and and play in that one. But yeah, like like you said, this is so huge for him to get these reps because he's not going to get them during the season unless an injury happens. Um, uh, and you know if an injury happened, we'd love to have had uh, some reps in the preseason, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, kind of painful. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, kind of last week.
1: Spun it. Can't correspond at Alec Polyanus, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. It's funny the the so the first time we were there, it was on field like one and two, uh, and that's like the two fields that are next to each other, running the same direction, um, and they had like all the press people like they were in front of the bleachers and like this little corded off area, you know. So you had to like kind of sneak up to them and say hi, right? Whereas uh, this time they were on field two and three so they were on that uh, like field that kind of like goes along the other side of the other two fields that are, are in parallel and they were just like man of the people you know there was this huge like grass lawn uh and then like just one big horde and they were just like sitting there or standing there where everyone else was like sitting you're supposed to sit on the lawn except for them but they, they were off to the side where like there was no one in the bleacher so it was fine but yeah you could just go up and talk to them you know, like Dude, just, you,
1: you should have totally went up to Jeff's Reback and been like, bro, give me your pass. They know you're here <laughs> or like, or, or it would have been even better with Cordell Woodland. Get Cordell Woodland's pass. You know, I the, was right? super
0: close to saying hi to Cordell. Uh, I've, I've met him before and, um, and I just, he was in the middle of a conversation. I wouldn't break it up. You know what I mean? So that was just kind of the, the L there. I should have said hi. I did say hi to Ryan, Mink, and, um. Cal yeah, Barber, though. I like See, those Mink guys. Doesn't
1: need, Mink doesn't need a press pass. Grab him. <laughs> <Mink's press pass. laughs> he works there. Just tuck, tuck it in. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, I got a press pass. Oh, you want me to untuck it? Yeah, that's me. And Mink doesn't need one. See, you got you to gotta get a little more sneaky, man. Risk the uh, lifetime ban to get the uh, access. Uh, don't There's do no that. There's no different
0: man. access, bro. They're right there. <laughs> the only difference is that they can actually, like, I don't know. Take better notes. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're not like chastised by the phone phone police as much. Um, blend
1: in, Alec. Blend in. <laughs> that's
0: right. But anyways, I think the last thing I want to talk about, you know, as this defense is kind of transitioning, you know, we're playing more and more zone defense. And I think it's changing the corners that we're targeting. You we saw him get Kyle Blue Kelly, a guy that we think could maybe thrive in a, in a more zone-centric scheme, or at least like he wouldn't do as well in man, uh, given the way he's set up right now. So. Do we think this is a long-term change? Uh, and is it maybe because it's they're easier to find? You know, like a, a zone-based state corner is easier to find and also more common what you – it's easier to scout because that's what they run in, in uh, college more often.
1: It is. They, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, you know, f- one you did not mention is that the focus of Mike McDonald's defense is on the front four getting home and blitzing the, you know the inside linebackers maybe bring one off the slot but really instead of stressing the corners like Wink did to stress your front four let them eat i mean we were fifth i believe or sixth in the league in sacks last year whereas you know Matt Judon couldn't get you know more than what 5 8 sacks 6 or 8 maybe peter has the numbers but you know he goes to new england and his sack numbers shoot up and i think that you know with mike mcdonald uh, a great point with they're hard. It's hard to find number one corners that can stick in man. Um, I mean, you're going to have to spend. You're talking about quite an athlete that can do that. Quite a skill set. You're either going to have to spend Boku bucks, or you're going to have to draft them in the first round, not the second. If it's the second round, there's some kind of other issue with them, like it, like Andrew Booth say, or you know something like that. But it's very hard to find those players. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of the reason Marcus Peters wasn't brought back is, you know, if you look at that Jacksonville game, that's what I would, would stress to you guys. Uh, if you want to cherry pick and even just watch the highlights of the game, the touchdowns that the Jaguars scored down the right sideline, which was mm-hmm. Marcus Peters, the left side of the defense was Marcus Peters, basically passing off the deep guy to Chuck Clark, I believe was mostly the guy that day with Gino playing free safety, safety, but um you know, Mar- that's Marcus is extremely aggressive and he wants to pass it off quick, and he wants to come on his – that's not his game. Mark, Marcus is a man-to-man corner. Uh, yeah, he can play off coverage. It's not like he's pressed up all the time, but he's a man-to-man dude, mano and mano I'm going to have my eyes on the ball. And, by the way, I'm going to have my eyes on your guy too. And, you know, if you're staring down the other guy, I'm going to come off my guy. Like, uh, being disciplined in zone is not Marcus's game. And uh, I think Rakasin can do that. I think also Rocky scene is a more sound tackler. So if you want to sit back in zone, Peter and let them catch something short and come up and pop them and let them have their four yards, like Rocky scene is your guy.
2: Yeah. So uh, to circle back with, with Judon just quickly um, averaged uh, just under seven sacks a game in five years in Baltimore, went to new England uh, averaging 14 over his first two years. So um not sure if we can attribute all of that to the change in scheme, but that's certainly um, a number you can't ignore. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thanks, I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if if I have an answer for is, is this the the direction the league is going for what we're doing, but at least I can say, you know, I think for a lot of the reasons Jason said as, as good as wink scheme was and as much uh, of positives that did bring, there were definitely some negatives. And I think this shift to McDonald's scheme, that's more zone based, is at least a breath of fresh air, trying out something different, see if, you know, we can get some better results with that. Like Jason pointed out, sacks increased last year. That was huge. Um, I know that injuries had a good deal to do with it, but you look at how much we improved against uh, the Bengals passing attack last year versus the previous year. Um, it's, it's at least for right now. I think that this is a good marriage between a, a change, a a breath of fresh air and the philosophy, which was definitely needed. I think with some things had gotten stale, um, and just, you know, it's might be what we need right now. It might work with the core amount of personnel that we were bringing over from the previous two seasons. That means some guys have to change. You know, we love Marcus Peters here. Unfortunately, um, didn't come back quite as well from that injury. That's a shame. Hopefully he's able to revive his career in Oakland or excuse me, Vegas, Vegas. Now everyone's moving to Vegas, (laughs) (laughs) but, but yeah, I I think Rocky scene, I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that we're, you know, never going to be frustrated with, but I think that there's a lot of things that could really fit well in this defense in his own scheme. Uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And yeah, I,
0: I, for now, I think this is the right approach for the Ravens. Well, I think the other reason they might be doing it: think about how teams play against Lamar Jackson. A lot more zone. They don't want to turn their back against the rushing quarterback. What do we see getting drafted these days? The quarterback position is getting more mobile. Even the even the worst mobility quarterbacks would have been considered mobile, you know, fifteen years ago. <laughs> you know, like right. they're they're all they're all moving around more. And I think that changes the way you have to approach the game on defense. I mean,
1: shoot, look at look at Mahomes and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to get you a ton of rushing yards like Lamar or Justin Fields, but talk about extending plays, converting with their legs on some crucial third downs. And, you know, with the tip passes went up last year, I don't have the numbers for that, but there were definitely more tip passes. The interceptions came up. Like what we're doing is, you know, we tried with Wink to trick the Joe Burrows and to trick the Patrick Mahomes and the – line a whole bunch of guys up the line. Some of them are coming and none of that crap worked against them against Baker <laughs> Mayfield. It looked great. You know what I mean? <laughs> against, against some other second string quarterback, it looked great. We dominated, we had fun. We just knocked the, you know, living daylights out of these guys. But what, what McDonald wants to do is tell his front four to get home. And if it's a quick release quarterback, like the bucks game, and Brady last year, you get your hands up in the passing lanes He's got seven guys. you got seven guys behind you in coverage that are filling all these passing lanes and to just say, hey, look, you want a five-yard completion? Go ahead and take it. Uh, We're going to keep coming up. We're going to smack you. We're going to hold you to a field goal when things get tight, and we're going to rely on our offense. So Mike McDonald has some things to clean up when it comes to end of the game and, and playing a little too conservative, a little too soft with his defense. But the overall philosophy, Alec, like I completely agree with, it was time. You're, you can't trick Pat Mahomes. You can't trick Joe Burrow. Um, and any other quarterback and offense that's got its stuff together.
0: Yeah, I think there was a little bit more deception, and this time it's just now we're just like our guys are gonna be better than yours. Like they're gonna they're gonna do what they need to do. And um like I think the big thing that's kind of lost maybe in this conversation is yeah, they're going for five-yard completions, but they might not actually complete it, right? You get your hand in there, and that really disrupts uh, down distances. That's what, like, it's all about, is getting these teams in, in disadvantaged down distance, you know, third and sevens, third and eights, where they're definitely going to be passing, and then you go ahead, you bring in your dime, you know, you, you like, load up and, and hope for the best. You know, <laughs> that's, what, that's, like, your money downs to get some interceptions, turnovers, and just sacks, impact plays. So... I think that's kind of like, – rather than, I don't know, trick them <laughs> on these other downs, it's, it's more so let's get them into a disadvantaged third down, and then we'll just do the normal things that people do on third down to try to get a uh, turnover. Right, and I think that
1: that's why there's less emphasis on the Sam linebacker and Mike McDonald's scheme. I think this is a good transition to, mm-hmm. to, to bring this up because no longer are we going to crowd the line of scrimmage with outside linebackers galore and, you know, have people screaming back out or have, you know, defensive linemen like Calais dropping into coverage sometimes and uh, Bowser dropping into coverage 40%. I mean, we're pretty much going to be playing against three wide receivers. So we're going to match that with three corners. I will expect them to be Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Stevens, Rocky scene. You're going to have PQ and Roquan on the field the entire time, which changes the numbers. Because you're not substituting a a dime linebacker in there, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine. So you already got two beasts in the middle. Um, You got those two beasts in the middle, two safeties behind them, four big guys up front. That is versatile enough to stop the run when a team wants to run. Um, Kyle Hamilton's your strong safety who's going to be lurking around that box. That seven in the box is a strong seven in the box you're talking about four big guys really big guys travis jones types michael pierce types mattabike types uh maybe even a jadavian Clowney type with roquan and pq behind them and kyle hamilton lurking in the in the in the uh in the box and oh by the way brandon stevens a big dude playing slot corner like we can put that nickel defense up against some two tight end sets and we don't have to play this game with like two outside linebackers on the field with one of them dropping, you know, a Sam linebacker possibly dropping. We don't have to do all that crap, man. Like we got enough beef. We got enough speed to play our base nickel against uh, uh, many different
0: formations. I feel like in a way, this is also getting easier to project players. You know, we're playing these more traditional schemes. We're not asking everybody to do everything. You know, we're not, like, uh, you know, Kevin will notoriously say on his podcast, it's really hard to find a Sam linebacker because no one does that in college, right? If they're good enough to pass rush, they are just using them as pass rush guys. So like, instead of trying to find these diamond in a rough or like hard to scout positions, let's just mo- focus on things that are actually easily scoutable. You know, it's easier to scout zone cornerbacks because guess what? They all play zone in college. It's easier to scout rush linebackers because, you know, if you're good enough to rush, that's what you're doing and and things like that. So I feel like that might be another kind of turning point is like hey, let's let's try to pair better with the college game almost because that's where we're getting our guys from.
1: Yeah, a lot of off corners, a lot of play, corners playing off coverage in college now. Um very more much more similar Mike McDonald does than than what Wink does.
0: Awesome, Jason. I mean, obviously it's kind of a weird show. Like normally you would be promoting yourself, but it's like I highly recommend if you listen to it, you might even want to go over to Jason's channel and scrub through the video because there's going to be video overlays of like the players we were talking about, get a little bit more insight that way. Uh, Jason, I really appreciate, you know, having the time to talk to you today.
1: Man, love you to death. And with that, I want to say thank you to our football family. Love my football family. Thank you to Alec. Thank you to Peter for joining us. A lot of passion it takes. A lot of great things to say. Can't wait to put this video out. So, with that, uh, please say good night to the people, fellas. Night, guys.